0: Two-pitch, ball lined to Yount, it's short! He throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air. Yount, makes a great catch and one! The Amos has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings and here it is! A face hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive to the left field. This is hit well. And it's good! gone. a good! A 2-1 home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan a smash up the middle.
1: You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. i me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Happy uh, February to all that celebrate. Um, Adam, um, the Brewers will play some semblance of Major League Baseball very soon. Pitchers and catchers will report to spring training in just a few weeks, and then we've got, you know, uh best shape of their life conversations around who (laughs) is really ready to go and looks great but first of all how you doing
2: i'm doing well Uh, i should have assumed that but i never thought of it do we have an equivalent maybe it is the same thing to the nba's annual muscle watch tradition is is there an mlb equivalent or is it just exactly the same kind of deal
1: yeah, it's best shape of their life is the is the phrase like, he, yeah, he, he looks better than ever. Like he recommitted himself to whatever uh, this offseason. He only ate a certain kind of fish that swims in a certain <laughs> ocean at a certain temperature. And now he added two miles per hour to his fastball. So, uh, yeah, that's what we had to look forward to. Or, uh, oh, this guy's testing out a change up in spring training and then he gives up Ten runs in an inning, and he never throws it again. That those are the kind of parallel paths we'll be watching, uh, throughout the rest of the spring. Um, yeah, so that should be a fun time for you to get to experience it without the uh, the abruptness of which uh, the season was started last year, um, after uh, a lockout. Uh, but yeah, we got I'm excited. She should be. It's a really big moment for you, I think. Uh. <laughs> You know, in the midst of the uh, Bucks gearing up for a playoff run, potentially making a trade or two, this is this is really what you want to see is the Brewers play exhibition baseball. Uh, we've got a few news and notes to talk about. And then also the thing that, you know, sustains our offseason content, which is prospect rankings. It's been pro- prospect ranking season the last few weeks, and there's more where that came from.
2: Uh, there I... was there was some funny chatter in our Discord about this and about the, the way this spins off and then you get like, you know, the ten prospects that I guess uh Keat Law didn't feel like ranking on a Tuesday and that kind of version of it. But I'm not here to make fun of it because this is this is mana from heaven for podcasters. This is it's we've we're like basically on a month now of just the slow trickle in of prospect rankings and that fueling our conversation with the future, the future of the Brewers. So I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for all of these prospect rankings.
1: I feel like a decade and a half ago, or maybe shorter, like when I was in college, it was like I would wait every offseason for Keith Law and Baseball America their list. And now just like everybody's getting it on it, so <laughs> there's a lot more, you know, a not a lot more stuff happening, which makes sense. People see, ooh, fans like this, and then they. It's also they it kind
2: place. of. Like, I know draft season exists, but the draft is also very different in baseball to other sports. This kind of has a feel of mock draft season from a content perspective, probably for a lot of those sites, which is, I'm guessing, why everyone has got in on the act, because this is where you can really get people locked in, where maybe the more casual baseball fans are not necessarily tracking every in and out true college all the way up. Certainly by the time guys are... Highly rated prospects within NLB organizations, everyone is locked in,
1: and I think it's actually a really, really, really good thing for Major League Baseball's marketing purposes that they have guys doing this because, especially to your point, there's not like a, I mean, there's a devoted uh, fan base for college baseball and but not necessarily amateur baseball below that. So, mm-hmm. um, it's not like college basketball to the NBA where. Everyone knew who Paolo Bancaro was as soon as he walked on the stage and as soon as he steps on a court. So I think that just like the the process of these guys going from getting drafted to you've been hearing about him for a few years because of Keith Law or Kylie McDaniel or Fangraphs of Baseball America. Now they're debuting. You're excited. You've got this built-up expectation, which can be good and bad, but I think in terms of this guy's on the field, now you know who he is. Oh, Now he's good. Now he's a superstar. I think it can be helpful to have that name recognition. But before we look at a few of those lists, uh, there are a few more minor signings that the Brewers have made. First of all, they have signed relief or I think it was a starter uh, in Korea, actually uh, Robert Stock to a minor league contract with an invite to spring training. So Robert Stock is uh, a guy who spent time with San Diego Padres, the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the New York Mets across f- uh, four seasons in Major League Baseball uh four seven one ERA um across seventy-two and two thirds innings. Uh 55 appearances, three starts in that time. Uh, and then last season and I believe the season before or maybe no, no just, just last season. Yeah, the other uh the other other stat thing the baseball reference has looped in here is a winter ball appearance. So that's why it showing me as two seasons overseas when it's really just one, which was last season with the Dusan Bears in kbo 360 era 165 innings 29 appearances all of them starts uh another guy added to the mix to i would assume um be in the bullpen mix but maybe after seeing him start they want him as organizational depth and he's a guy that will try and most likely earn a spot in the rotation in nashville uh but i think if he factors into the major league roster it would be out of the pen uh, just taking another flyer, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, I'm assuming you have no major thoughts on that. I think he's a a pretty active guy on Twitter. Seems to have a good sense of humor, so nice cl- clubhouse guy as well.
2: Oh, I'm always, always in favor of that, particularly with the the loss of Brent Suter from the organization. There's there's room for the Brewers to uh, up their social media personality again. I think. Yeah, I guess it seems an interesting flyer, which is probably going to be for Nashville depth or maybe the kind of person who, if we end up talking about him any more than that throughout the season, it is that there's a a bind akin to what we saw at times last year, and he comes up and helps out. But, I mean, in terms of that, he seems like pretty solid depth for the level of depth you're looking to have him at in the organization. That's that's my gut reaction. I don't know if I'm overvaluing that too much, but like he just seems solid. Yeah, sure, he's a fringe guy who's who's in a a battle to stay around and, I guess, prolong his career as long as possible. But he seems to have a little bit to him um, and was serviceable as as a starter in a very significant role in Korea last year. So, yeah, I mean, there could be worse things. I feel like we've had less inspiring uh, transactions than this one already to this point in the offseason. So I, I don't have any no uh overwhelmingly positive takeaways but also it, it makes sense it's fine I, I don't have anything against the move
1: i agree adam at this point in the off season when we see these uh minor league deals with invites to spring training it's just like why not see what happens which brings me to our next guest um yes former, uh that'd be, that'd be very, fun you didn't tell me i'm I'm very performative about how I've been going about the podcast this morning. Um, I have the the heart of a showman. Um, A name that Brewers fans will recognize, Monte Harrison, uh, who was a former Brewers prospect, of course, and was in the trade for Christian Yelich, along with Isan Diaz, Lewis Brinson, and Jordan Yamamoto. Uh, The anniversary, I I guess the five-year anniversary would have been of that trade was on January 25th. So again, uh, you know, congratulations to all who celebrate. I hope you had a wonderful day. Uh, Harrison, uh, after that trade going into the 2018 season, became the Marlins number two overall prospect, according to MLB.com. Didn't really pan out for him uh, anywhere in the big leagues. He's played 50 games and compiled 76 plate appearances across three seasons holds a 176 batting average, 253 OBP, 294 slugging for a 547 OPS, 49 OPS plus. Um, He will be signed to a minor league deal and uh, receive an invite to spring training. Sort of an interesting story uh, just with the the context of that. uh, Yelich trade hasn't seemed to figure it out at the major league level in not really a lot of time at all. Um, wouldn't expect him to factor into <laughs> this roster at all, but maybe he can rebuild his career, um, within the Brewers minor league system and at some point carve out a role for himself somewhere. That would be a cool story. Uh, he, I th- think he will be, he's 27, so he'll turn 28 in August. So, in Pretty the young, like for, for yeah. how long ago that was, he is still very young. Definitely. Um, only played in nine games last year for the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, nine games the season before, 32 games the season before. So a guy that just has not been able to stick at the major league level. Um, played center field and left field last year, year before right field, center field, um, and no no left field that year. So uh, can play all across the outfield. Just hasn't shown anything with the bat that has given a team a reason to let him stick around more than a few weeks, it seems.
2: I mean, if things play out in the way we would like at uh, the the top end of the Brewers roster too, and we do see promotions and we see a lot of trust going into the younger prospects and Garrett Mitchell tries with the Brewers and Sal Freelick ends up up there as a, a core part of what's happening. And I guess Joey Weimer climbs the ladder and is one step closer to that and is really the main guy. There is room. Uh it's it's kind of a something that is different to last year, but there will be room for kind of people to grab outfield opportunity within the system if the brewer's top prospects do pan out and we do see a kind of a gradual promotion over the course of the season. So I guess that fuels some desire to take some flyers. It is a fun story to see him back with the organization, seeing back within the system. Um, the thing that I saw the other day when this happened, and I was, I was reading up on him, is that he's he's the brother of an NBA player, I believe currently in the G League, but maybe Chicago Bull, longest of any team. Uh, Shaquille Harrison is his brother. Um, so clearly a gifted sports family. He was a tree sport athlete. The hitting just hasn't happened, I guess. Is that is that what I'm to take from this? Do you have anything in your head dating back to when he was a a higher profile prospect, the kind of prospect that ended up in a deal for Christian Jalic that you can pinpoint as to where this just hasn't clicked or what's happened there?
1: Yeah, I think it, that's pretty simple. It's just he's, he's never shown an ability um, to hit. And sometimes that happens with... Uh... With prospects, I think you, you'd you more expect uh, like a, a highly rated pitcher to not turn out uh, because of just the nature of throwing a baseball as hard as you can over and over again and what that does to your body and how maybe sometimes you'll just lose velocity. But sometimes uh, teams are betting on just like projecting a player out uh, and it doesn't happen because they just can't learn to hit uh, maybe it's velocity or a breaking ball. I mean, it varies prospect to prospect, obviously. But it seems to me that that's pretty much been the story with Harrison. Um, I, I again would like to see if there's like some sort of John uh, Singleton type re- re- recovery. Sorry, not in the the sense that he had to come back from those ridiculous uh suspensions, but just in the sense that this is a guy who was a highly regarded prospect. And it didn't really work out. I mean, you look at his his minor league numbers as well. Um, his his OBP's were never something where they were overwhelming. Last year, three twenty six. The year before, three thirty three. So solid numbers. The year before, three fifty one. But nothing where uh, it would indicate that um, like he's really on the verge of a breakout and becoming a player that can. Get on base with the regularity and be a difference maker. So I think that's uh that's pretty much what it was. It's just the the bat never panned out. Anything else on stock or Harrison before we move on? I think that's all I've
2: got in Stock and Harrison right now, Andrew. Great.
1: All right. While I'm pulling up this Keith Law list, you pull up the Kylie McDaniel. I've, uh, listen, I've, I've not... got both of them. I'm I'm got, I'm looking you know? at I'm looking I'm looking at law. So I'll, um, I'll get us started there. Okay. Um, so like we said, more prospect rankings have, have come down the line. My favorite prospect ranker, uh, of the bunch has been Keith Lawman following his work for a long time. That wasn't a cough. That was a throat clear. I just want to show that for the record. Um, so that the, the accountants listening can not add that to the tally. I'm on two hours of sleep. Uh, Law's rankings features a lot of the the usual suspects we've been seeing across the board. Jackson Chorio coming in at third on this list. Uh, He's another guy who's a little higher on South Freelick than a a lot of others as Freelick comes in at, I believe, is it 41? It is 41. So not quite as high as I thought. Uh, But one interesting thing about Keith Law's list is a guy that we've talked about a bit on this podcast, but... Um, was not popping up in many other prospect rank- rankings is Jefferson Cuero, the catcher, uh, and Keith Law has him coming in at 45th on his list. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read this uh, line for line because if you want to read the whole capsule, you can subscribe to his work on the Athletic. But basically, Keith's takeaway is that he's gonna be. Due to his short and uh, contact-inducing swing, he's going to be uh, a plus in terms of contact as a hitter and just potentially an elite defensive catcher. So he's a high floor with a chance that he could become an above-average starting catcher at the big league level, hit a lot of doubles, and he has even steal a few bases, which is, you know, rare for a catcher. Uh, Played in the Arizona Fall League, this year and hit two eighty six, three forty-two, four thirty-nine. Um or that no, that was across uh low A and high. Sorry, trying to read the capsule without reading the exact whole <laughs> thing. And then obviously we saw how good his arm is and and that pop time as we saw him throwing out runners with regularity. Sure uh obviously William Contreras is the starting catcher this season. A guy who they're worried about his defense. This is Exciting to see uh, Cuero come through as someone that can either, A, share the load with him as a starting catcher, or B, if the bat truly or the glove truly does not make a transformation, see Contreras is more of a DH and even, uh, you know, a part-time outfielder from time to time. Uh, exciting to see uh, the potential of, of Cuero and see him get recognized.
2: Yeah, and for the the pool to be broadening more generally in terms of some of the brewers who are catching catching the eye. Um, the, I mean, two guys we haven't talked about quite as much. One we have hardly talked about at all. Towards the back end of this list, that maybe we'll go into some more detail on a second with Quero. I mean, that's kind of the ideal, and it's a spot where you get Contreras, and I think we all feel really happy with that deal that borderline daylight robbery that matt arnold committed to just you know facilitate and get himself an all-star catcher i think that is something though where to be able to have the freedom of knowing okay we've upgraded that spot offensively and we also have then major improvements coming to our depth we're going to be able to round that out whether that's next year whether it's the year after where hopefully you're going to look at one or two seasons maybe with those two guys as your your number one, your number two catcher. And then by the time it comes to uh, the reality of life for the Brewers and decisions are being made, and Contreras, hopefully, Contreras is ready to be the guy or maybe has even assumed that position for himself at that point. So everything we've seen, and we maybe haven't talked about him as much as some of the other prospects, but every time we do talk about him, there's not a lot really to nitpick at. Like, all around the key indicators are really, really encouraging, really, really good. And he seems like he's going to be a very exciting player. So to see some others feeling that way, that is, that is nice. It's nice validation, but I think Brewers fans and people who have been keeping an eye on and the Brewers top prospects. Kuro is someone who he's, I think he's rising amongst Brewers fans for a little while now. And the excitement about what he could be has been on the rise.
1: Elsewhere on the list, another uh, familiar name, Joey Weimer. I do want to stop here briefly. Uh, above average speed, he says, uh, a 70 or better arm, so that's on the 20 to 80 scale. Adam, baseball scouting terms make zero sense. Um, and But the one thing I wanted to point out is that he said that he had a scout, uh, call it stupid power, from Joey Weimer. Uh, the concern is obviously on the strikeouts, but if he improves that... Uh, lossy's all-star potential for Weimer, um, and fan favorite potential due to his aggressive style of play. I think that's something we've all been talking about for for quite some time, and that we're interested in. Uh, any thoughts on Weimer before we go to one more guy we haven't talked much about over the last couple of years? I mean, we've
2: we've seen that superpower in action in the minor leagues. There have been multiple occasions where he just hit absolute bombs that certainly have uh, caught on and been viral, at least within the Brewers fan base. So that's not news to us. I think the the fun thing with Weimer and the fun thing for Brewers fans is the Garrett Mitchell emergence by necessity as much as anything else like last season kind of gave the Brewers an extra tool here. And it may be one that ultimately by the time this season finishes, we uh, you know, it wasn't quite as impressive as it may have been or he, he does fall below the likes of Freelich and Weimar in the, the pecking order long term. I think that is probably still the consensus on it. But I don't think even if we get kind of Mitchell being good and giving the Brewers a solid season this year, like someone like Weimar getting to be a little bit more under the radar and maybe have a little bit more time to really work things out and be ready to pop once he lands at the Brewers, that doesn't hurt either. So he's a guy we've talked about plenty, but I feel like we've also talked about less. Um, Sal Freelich is the outfielder that we're talking about most who has yet to to make his Brewers debut. And I don't know if that hurts Joey Weimer, him getting to come under the surface and then arrive with the kind of power that he does possess.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. at babble.com slash blue wire that's 60 percent off at babble.com slash blue wire spelled b-a-b-b-e-l dot com slash blue wire rules and restrictions apply
1: last but not least on the list uh a guy we haven't talked a lot about and that's probably because he just has not played much professional baseball due to um an injury and that's Tyler Tyler Black, who's a listed as a, a utility guy whose best position might be um, second base. He was uh, the Brewers' competitive balance pick in the 2021 draft out of Wright State University. And across 90 games in his professional career, 3, 318 at-bats so far, a 270 average, 412 OBP, and a 396 slugging percentage. He's in his minor league career he's got 71 walks and 75 strikeouts so a guy that has exceptional plate discipline and versatility at multiple positions um fractured his scapula dive making a diving catch uh, in center field uh and then played in the arizona fall league and broke his thumb so a guy that throughout his brief pro career seems to have been snake bitten by injuries a bit, but it sounds like at the high end of his future he could be a super utility uh Jace Peterson type guy uh, on base Tyler doesn't have the same ring to it, but I think if we were watching him uh draw walks and make great plays in the field across multiple positions at some point in the near future, we would like that outcome. They obviously have another guy who's uh, nearly ready. In the system in Bryce Tarang as well that kind of profiles as this type of player unless he's an everyday shortstop or everyday second baseman. So another guy with positional versatility. And why do we like him, Adam? Because he gets on base.
2: Yeah, and as we talked a lot about, I guess, the offensive profile of the Brewers last year. And it's probably the fact that, yeah, it works as a whole like they were getting mostly the runs they needed. It felt like a slog. There was no guarantees and it was really hard work for themselves. The way to remedy that is just guys you're going to get on base. And those guys are coming. They're there in the system. And that could be where we see a gradual evolution of the Brewers. The challenge is going to be aligning timelines so that you're the The quality of pitching that you're currently blessed with doesn't just all kind of get phased out. and then you've got this much healthier mix of position players than you've had for quite some time. But we can't worry about all that right now. That is certainly the thing to watch. But this is again, it's an interesting one. It's a fun one. um his his profile for what the Brewers need is is certainly something that you know, is intriguing. And it's not a bad thing either. You're right mentioning their similarities with Bryce Terang. But again, pitching, for example, is an area where the Brewers depth may not be quite as strong. Like, good prospects, prospects with value are a real positive for the obvious reasons. I'm sure these could be guys are watching in Brewers jersey three years to come. Or some of these guys could be the players who get you. The guys you will be watching in Brewers jersey three years to come.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We've just had a, another international signing period. We're going to have another draft over the summer. The the organization will quote-unquote promote prospects to the big league level and they'll keep replenishing. And then maybe if the Brewers are uh, in a in a real position in the middle of the season where they think they've got a team that can win the World Series, maybe they use some of those players acquired via those means or that are already in the system to push all their chips in, and and go and get a difference maker in in the middle of the season. But, yeah, uh, interesting that uh, Law was higher on some guys that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about this offseason when going through uh, list by list. We'll be looking for his uh, overall organizational rankings to come, I think, uh, in the next few weeks, so that'll be a fun conversation as well.
2: Do we want to pivot to Cardi McDaniel's list and some of the differences? Yeah. Uh, Kylie McDaniel's list for ESPN just went up just before we were recording here. Um, and it does have something which is different to all of the others, where it seemed like Jackson Churio is kind of settling in at a spot right around right around the number three prospect in baseball. I think that's that's what we could describe as consensus, but there there is a little bit of dissent on that here. Um, Churio slots in at number eleven on Kylie McDaniel's rankings. And I found it interesting some of the conversation and the reasoning there where the blurb in this case is very, very upfront with the fact that he did not know where to put Jackson Churio and he was trying to put feelers out around the league for where should he put Jackson Churio. Um, So to quote Connie McDaniel's piece, I wasn't sure where to put Churio, so I sent this list around for thoughts with him here and nobody told me to move him. One exec summed up my conundrum thusly, quote, no one knows what to do with Churio, throw a dart. Um, He paints him, which, as we well know, as someone who has all the tools to be an absolute top-tier center fielder, the concerns are the concerns that we know of. It is, is he going to be someone who's going to strike out at a very high rate? Is he going to find the right balance to that kind of power-versus-hitting approach? And I guess is there just something that's a little bit precocious there that over time may be inconsistent or could even be fashion to the pan. There the concerns I think we've talked about or we've heard before. Um, I I still think the the overall kind of view here and much much like like um, Keith Laws I think the line that Keith Law used on. Churio was that he has as much upside as any player on the list that's kind of the reality and I think that is the thing that everyone agrees on it's like yeah whether whether it pans out at that level the reality is if he does pan out he's probably the best prospect of anyone we're looking at or talking about right now and that's what the Brewers will have and for me Andrew that is good enough right now that is the kind of Particularly when you've got like Sal Freelix coming true and Bryce Tarangs, and even now we're talking about Black and Jeff Saquero, there is a lot there that feels more kind of steadily projectable and very different profile players where to have someone who is the big, splashy, well, if this guy hits, this could be the best player in baseball, that is kind of what the Brewers need in the mix to go with what is more steady and what they can probably project a little bit more clearly.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's fair for some of these guys to add a little skepticism to guys at this stage of their career, but as fans, and I think I've seen enough prospects I was really excited about not turning into anything to allow myself to get excited about Chorio's potential and his ceiling, and yet, if he's just an above average regular, I don't think I'm going to be disappointed if he's a solid contributor to a winning baseball team. I think that's an outcome uh, you're happy about, especially because, I mean, going into this process uh, last year, I mean, I'd say there was a fair degree of prospect writers that he wasn't even on their radar. And now he's considered one of the, the best prospects in baseball. And I think one of the things that was the common statement about Chorio last season is that he would get to a level and make adjustments along the way mm-hmm. if he showed even beginning signs of struggle. And obviously, this year, he's going to start the year with Biloxi and double A, we'd all assume, and have a, a first uh, real meaningful stretch against double A pitching. And we'll see how he adjusts to up leveling again, obviously got a taste of it at the end of last year, but not really a meaningful enough sample size to do anything with that. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be a big first half of the season for him. The, I mean, the great thing is for him, like at this point in the journey of development, like none of this is make or break. The Brewers don't have to rush him. He's he's made his ascent through the system because he's, forced it with his performance, but it's it's not to the point where it's like you need you need to be here by this date or you're falling behind. He's still at a JK really good years old. Of... Yeah, exactly. Um he's at a very good spot where if his development slows down a bit, even just a little bit, that's fine. Development isn't always linear for these prospects. And sometimes it is and it might be for him and we might be talking about him. Um being a factor for the opening day roster in 2024, who knows. But uh, right now, I think while I understand it's definitely totally fair for uh, someone putting him on a list to, you know, use these concerns to split ties between other players because, you know, their job is to be objective. Uh, You know, this is a fan podcast, (laughs) not necessarily uh, a journalist podcast. So on my end, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the pure excitement mode for Jory.
2: Yeah. And we, we, we covered the brewers uh, like true. The, our vantage point is we are watching the brewers. We want the brewers to do well. There's, there's no doubt about that. And from that side of it, I guess that is too, uh, that's, uh, everyone's got to kind of decide how they want to navigate through this process and the hype and what's best for them and I, I've spoken about this before, but for me, it is going to be, yeah, I'm leaning in. This is this is what to be excited about, particularly considering the Brewers are a team that are going to be mid to bottom of the league in payroll, um, and that the best players on the roster were at a point where we're like, okay, well, how many of those can they keep around? It's not like, can they keep them around? It's actually how many, how many will be leaving? And when you find yourself in a spot like that, the prospect of this great hope coming along as, as what's next and possibly making the brewers better than they were in their most recent area, but that's something to hang on to. And for me, I, I think that's the whole point of this without that. I think it's truly a hopeless venture with like Mark Adonazio's ownership, of how the brewers are run. I think it just gets really grim and you'd be better just ignoring the results entirely and being like, yeah, I like to watch a ball game. Um, for me, though, I'd like to imagine that this Brewers team could have some real success and we could have the fun that comes with consistent playoff runs like has been the case in recent years. But with a new team and bringing something different to the table that may pan out in a better way at the top end. So I'm truly embracing the journey on this. And number 11, um, number 11 on any prospects, I'll take that again to your point. This is someone who wasn't really on the radars at all a year ago. So where skepticism now has him on 11 on top 100 lists, that is a very good spot. And more generally, I think one of the things when we started this pod, we were talking about the Brewers' farm system and what they had and how that was looking up and what the general kind of opinion of it was. It wasn't great and I I think there has been real improvement. It's picked up. Pitching is the concern and I'm sure when we see rankings team by team. The lack of quality pitching depth is what will come back to to bite the Brewers. But outside of that, I think it's really well-rounded and exciting. And having, again, that variance in the type of prospects you have, like different types of guys, that is also important and I think exciting.
1: Well, I do want to call out, too, how interesting a flashpoint or, I don't know, marker in time, I guess is a better word. For this uh, selection of Brewers prospects, because Adam, you and I feel pretty good about our handle on uh, the 2022 Brewers until we die. But uh, to, a, uh, to that end, we are kind of catching up on the the history of Brewers baseball via beat writers, via our listeners, via our GSB and colleagues. And the one the one thing that keeps coming up about player development in the post or not the post, the David Stearns and now post David Stearns era is the Brewers haven't been very good at developing hitting prospects. And uh, we're seeing that even in our rewatch as Orlando Arcia, who looks really great in some of these playoff uh, plate appearances, obviously not with the organization anymore, but they've always been able to develop that starting pitching. And you see the Corbin Burns and the Brandon Woodruffs and the Freddy Peraltas come around, and now um, Ashby's in the mix as well. Whereas uh, you don't see the the homegrown um, offensive contributors at at the major league level. And now you've got a selection of guys who might break that mold and be the breakthrough in terms of, like we drafted or we signed this guy or we acquired them when they were still in the minor leagues and helped turn them into productive big league batters. So it will just be interesting to see when these guys get to the big leagues, if they figure it out and if they become uh, long-term success stories for the organization who has, in this latest modern era, done a great job of producing pitching prospects but not so much uh, hitting prospects shall we go back in time or do you have anything else to add
2: yeah let's go forward to go backwards here or backwards to go forward. all right sure
1: that that sounds like a plan uh so if you're uh a frequent listener you may know that adam and i and uh jordan tresky for a moment in time and uh some of, of our wonderful listeners have been rewatching the brewers 2018 playoff run on playback so we're going back in time adam and i are taking a history lesson um we've got a lot of prof- professors with us in the chat to help us uh learn along the way about what it was like to be a-, a milwaukee brewers fan in 2018 uh before we get into the specifics of the game this one was fun because uh it really got to feel like something we were used to seeing uh last year it just in smaller increments. Uh Brandon Woodruff starts this game. Corbin Burns comes on in relief. Josh Hader comes on in on relief. Adam, did you feel like did it did it really feel like twenty twenty two in the good moments when you were when you were getting into this? Even though you know it's a different version of Brandon Woodruff. It's a different version of Corbin Burns. It's a different version of Josh Hader.
2: Yeah, it did. Um I mean it's nice to watch those guys pitch again. Um uh, albeit the fact that they were not pitching and they actually pitched in twenty eighteen for us to get to sit down and watch the pitch it was fun. Um I was surprised by how much it felt like those guys, not so much hater. I think that was that was kind of established that uh I, I know what to expect of the version of Hater who was around in twenty eighteen. Um but Woody and Corbin kind of look like Woody and Corbin, albeit in more limited stretches. And that's a lot of fun. It's cool to see the kind of the shape of who they've become now taking, taking shape already for the Brewers and helping them to win playoff games. Um, it really made me want to see those guys back in the playoffs too, because even at the points where they're finding their feet and really coming into their stride, here they are. And they're playing and they're winning playoff games so that was one of the things that made me want to see both of those guys get a chance to win some playoff games as brewers again very very soon and yeah of course given some of the uncertainty about salary and both of those guys future it might mean we need that to happen this season it probably does so i i would really like to get a chance to see 2023 Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns um, put on similar displays in the playoffs, but this was fun watching watching those guys familiar faces, different haircuts, particularly in Corbin's case, but familiar faces um, playing and winning in the postseason was something I got a lot of enjoyment out of.
1: Yeah, and as we said, different versions of these guys. So his age twenty five season in twenty eighteen, Brandon Woodruff, uh, a three six one ERA across forty two and a third innings. Only four starts in those 19 appearances. So he was getting the start in this instance. But as we've seen and been told about this postseason, this was the all hands on deck uh, uh, bullpen game postseason where uh, guys are in there to get out, get their job done, and then turn it over to someone else who has the job to do as well. So Woodruff, the starting pitcher in this game, but I knew he wasn't going to have to go the full uh 5 or 6 innings he does his job extremely well in that limited sample uh 3 innings pitch no hits no runs a walk three strikeouts was just absolutely dominant as we saw on the youtube stream he looked fantastic um sorry espn's playing an ad so now i can't hear myself think as i look at this box score <laughs> this is great podcasting i am going to Ah, uh, ESPN, I hate you. Anyway, that's a nice little aside. But anyway, three innings pitch for, for Woodruff. No runs, three strikeouts, just the walk. 48 pitches thrown. And then after Woodruff's day is done, uh, Christian Yelich said, I will stake you to a lead uh, by hitting an opposite field home run to left center. Scores himself and Lorenzo Cain to make it 2-0 Brewers after the third inning. And then on would come... Corbin Burns, uh, in relief to follow up the stellar outing from Brandon Woodruff, as we mentioned, a different version of Corbin Burns, the guy, uh, that would turn into a Cy Young winner was there, but, uh, he was not the guy we know at this point. He had, uh, these, Great glasses. He had short hair. It's just, uh, you know, stepping into the time machine, guys look different. You know, I made the joke about how uh, I I look like uh, a a hiker who was found in the woods with this uh, grown-out uh, facial hair and I, I look disoriented and most of the time i look like an accountant so you know it's uh really relatable uh people change as, as time goes by i burn that's that a joke. season.
2: joke just just i want to flag up that's a joke that was made on a different podcast that is blurred into the one for andrew but that was a podcast recorded last night so if you don't get that joke it's okay but go check out make time for this and hear andrew and i talk movies
1: yeah i just assume everyone listens to everything i say <laughs> but uh I, while i was scrambling for baseball reference to point out uh Corbin's work that season. He was a relief pitcher, 30 appearances, no starts, 38 innings pitch, a 2.61 ERA in 2018. So, yeah, very much uh, a different Corbin than we're used to. But you know what we were used to? Him not giving up any runs, two innings pitch, just a hit, no runs, three strikeouts. From then, he would turn the ball over to Corey Knable, who would throw an inning in two thirds, no runs, no hits, a walk, a strikeout. Then Josh Hader would enter, an inning and a third pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, uh, three strikeouts. At this point, you in the eighth inning with a 2 nothing lead, Adam, another thing we're used to say, seeing is low-scoring Brewers games. They're in a low-scoring game here, but everything you know we'd heard about the bullpen and just how elite everything was, you're feeling pretty good staked to that lead.
2: Yeah, also, you have the expectation that more runs will come, and it kind of felt like they should, and they didn't. Like, uh, I do think that's something where the overall arc of this game plays out in a way that we could easily go, oh, yeah, just like so many games we watched last season, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like, even with just a two-run lead, that they were way in control until they weren't. And one of the things that I thought was interesting I guess it's just it's a close game and it's you're in the playoffs. But for you and I, after the fact, we talked last week about uh, game 163, which is about as tense a situation as you can get. The tension wasn't really there for us in watching it back. It didn't. I did feel it a bit in this. I think the game naturally, the ebbs and flows kind of dictated that where it was. Oh, the Brewers are playing really well. They look so good. The bullpen's got this under control. You know, there's some more hits coming. Yellie's yeah, probably going to do some more damage, and then all of a sudden, bang! You're you're right back in a really close ball game, and perhaps going to lose a series opener. So I did feel the tension watching this after the fact, and that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, there was a moment in the game where if you lose this game, it's it's the thing that you remember, like for the next week that. It just really bugs you because you're in the bottom of the eighth inning, uh, trying to get some insurance runs that two run, uh, lead. Yelich walks, steals second, Braun singles. You've got runners on first and third, no outs. Braun steals second. Uh, Travis Straw- Shaw strikes out, Keon and pinch hits for Hayter strikes out. They intentionally walk Mostakis, and then Manny Pena, uh, grounds out to the shortstop. Uh, and so you get to that point point, you're like, it's leaving the bases loaded going to come back to haunt us. And then you transition to that ninth inning. Uh, your closer's on. Jeremy Jeffers, who obviously had to miss game 163 um, with the, the uh, medical issue. And th- this is what everyone in the chat described to us as the Jeremy Jeffers experience where he can either be elite and lock down a ninth inning and You know, you win easily or things um, get a little chaotic and a little scary. And I guess uh, it it was that in this instance. Uh, Gerardo Parra singles to right field. Matt Holiday singles. Puts him and Parra on first and second with no outs. Charlie Blackman follows that up. With a single scores, Gerardo Parra moves Garrett Hampson to second, who pinch ran for Matt Holiday. Uh, Le- DJ LeMahieu reaches on an error by Orlando Arcia, which loads the bases. Sack fly from N- Nolan Arenado scores Hampson. It's 2 2 all of a the sudden. Then uh, David Dahl grounds into a fielder's choice uh, where Travis Shaw, who had started the game at second, and then uh, shifted over to first base when Jesus Aguilar was removed and Hernan Perez was uh, brought into second base, makes a nice play to uh, throw the ball home, and then Charlie Blackman uh, is out in a rundown between home and third base. Then he strikes out Trevor Story, gets out of the inning um, with that 2-2 tie, but just all in all, an inc- incredibly stressful inning that saw a lead evaporate. And all I can say is uh, thank God for Travis Shaw making the heads up play to get ahead of uh, Charlie Blackman at home and if if that rundown had gone awry or if uh he had not been able to make the throw online, things could have been very different for this game and for this story we and we you know, I still think they beat the Rockies in this series because they're the significantly better team. but what a what a stressful way to open a series.
2: Yeah, you say stressful, but also fun. I mean, from the purposes of us looking back in time, um, nice to get a game that did have a competitive edge. The Brewers are quite clearly the superior team here. Uh, (laughs) we're, we're, We're doing those spoilers, but we do also obviously know the general outline of how all of this progresses. And I do think from game one, it is just like, yeah, this is who the Brewers are. Um, they are the better team in this series and one of the things that I know was being communicated to us by the listeners who were joining us and watching the game was you've got to start to kind of understand why it felt like is this the Brewers year and why that was the kind of thing bubbling up going from game 163 into a game like this where they look really good in a lot of ways and then they face adversity and it could all go wrong and yet they still go and get the all-important win um so i do think that is abundantly clear to me already that sense of yeah the stars aligning this is a really good team with a great player who is very much like in the top of his form um. with yelich and just really good options all around and a bullpen that's delivering and young stud pitchers who are really coming up and kind of helping you round things out you could just you get the shape of how this was this is a year where as it is they they put together a really good run but also i felt like well this could be the year
1: yes indeed uh nothing doing for the brewers in the bottom of the ninth after um after relinquishing their lead, Garcia ground out, Perez ground out, Kane fly out. Joachim Soria comes on for the Brewers in the top of the 10th and gets the Rockies in order, sending it to the bottom of the 10th inning. Uh, Adam Onavino on to pitch for the Rockies. Christian we- Yelich uh, draws a walk, moves up to second on a w- wild pitch. Ryan Braun strikes out, swinging. Travis Shaw intentionally walked. Curtis Granderson then comes on to pinch hit, grounds into a fielder's choice. Uh, so first and third with Granderson at first, Yelich at third. Mike Mustakas comes to the plate, rips a walk off single to right field. Brewers win three two. And as our listeners said, you know, in, in twenty eighteen for them, it started to feel like the Brewers' year. And you know, a walk off win after relinquishing a lead in the ninth inning is uh, a good way as any to. Returned the positive vibes to what seemed to be a raucous Miller Park
2: sure did and I'm excited to see more of raucous Miller Park Um, and to keep watching this team just an objectively very very fun team over the course of the series so on that note I guess let's announce game 2 Andrew Um, we will be watching game 2 of the 2018 LDS Brewers Rockies, uh, Tuesday, what date is that? The 7th, uh, I believe.
1: Yeah, sounds right.
2: Tuesday, the 7th of February. Yeah, it is correct. 6 p.m. Central Time. We will fire it up. We'll watch that game. Um, We hope if you've never been before, as we said last time, it's very, very simple. You go to our room, www. Dot, again, to give you like old school internet. Just in case you don't know, you need that or well, sometimes you don't need that. Playback.tv forward slash cruising for a bruising. That's our playback room. You can set up an account on playback. We will be on stage, Andrew and myself for sure. and uh, Maybe some of our our GSPN colleagues. And we will watch the game. We'll chat through it and we'll be in constant dialogue and interacting with the viewers with us, the listeners who will be in the chat. It's always a fun time. Whether we do it for brewers games, whether we do it for books games. Um, here at GSPM, we love we love playback. And yeah, if you've never given a try before, what else have you got? The books don't play next Tuesday. What are you gonna do? What you're gonna do is you're gonna tune in, you're gonna watch 2018 Brewers, and you're gonna have a good time with your friends from Cruising for a Bruising. So playback dot tv forward slash cruising for a bruising. We will of course tweet links and put out reminders on Tuesday. If you're in Discord, that is the best way to ensure you get reminders and always have the inside track on playbacks. But yeah, it's uh, a fun fun thing that we're doing. We're enjoying our watch song so far and I look forward to game two.
1: Yeah, me me as well. Uh, I'm feeling great uh you know, making references to podcasts I did last night talking about baseball games from from four years ago. It, it it feels so right and I look forward to doing it again next Tuesday with anyone and everyone, the more the merrier. Invite invite your friends, invite your family, invite your mailman, whoever it may be, tell them to get to playback.
2: All right. That does it for us for this week make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we're pretty much everywhere one place we also are is repod uh, repod is a community for podcasters and podcast listeners alike um, where you can listen to your favorite pods if you like to have a an online player or an app where you can you can go and you can check out your pods if you want an alternative some of the other options out there repod will do that for you you can follow your favorite podcasts and podcasters you get alerted when new pods drop and most importantly of all we have our uh, we have a room in there where we'll drop each episode we'll open up the floor for dialogue and if you've got any thoughts on anything whether in this case it's individual Specific brewers' prospects or any details from that 2018 run that you want to talk with us, you want to go back and forward on. So you find us, go and go and send us a reply, and we're happy to chop it up. Join repod.com forward slash cruising for bruising. Of course, here in the Eurostep Podcast Network, we've also got our books, podcast Eurostep and Win in Six on that. Eurosep Podcast Network main feed, trade deadline coming, Bucks on a winning streak, Chris Milton looking like Chris Milton again. Even with Bobby Portis down and the Bucs continuing to just not get a chance to be fully healthy, things are very much looking up. The gap to the Celtics, I believe, is now down to two games. And thanks to some help. Always a scare. They're good at that, but some help from Andrew Charlotte Hornets, who – who allowed the Bucs to get away with a win. So stay on top of all things Bucs as we approach. Trade deadline, all-star break, and the Bucs really ramping things up. Eurostep Podcast Network, that's the main feed. That's where you'll find winning six in the Eurostep. Talking to Tundra, all things Green Bay Packers. Jordan Tresky and Numak ramping things up off-season-wise. Um, Super Bowl is now approaching. Uh Packers aren't there, but that's just... As a Packers fan, as a Packers podcast, that just means you got to start plotting for the next one. So that's exactly what those guys are doing. And if you want to hear talk of movies, TV, pop culture, make time for this. That's our other feed on the network. Andrew and I talk about all of those things. Most recent episode just dropped today. Uh, We talked about Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. We talked about... The Last of Us, specifically episode three, and briefly about Pokerface, a show that I watched, I've liked quite a lot. And uh, Andrew has, I'm pretty sure, pledged to me that he's going to watch it. I'm going to keep bringing up the podcast until that happens. So, until the next time, thanks all of you for this. Thank you, Andrew.
1: Thanks, Adam.